This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. But it's becoming more of an issue because Lloyd's changes its rules next year, the next month, sorry, to not provide cover for nation-state attacks. So this is likely to become even more of a hot topic than it is. That was Jonathan Armstrong. I'm Tom Fox. Welcome to the award-winning Life with GDPR, where, along with my co-host, Jonathan, we take a look at issues relating to data privacy, data protection, and GDPR. Today, we look at some Russian cyber attack gangs, which were sanctioned what that might mean for your organization and steps you can take to try to prevent a state-sponsored cyber attack by Russian, Chinese, or perhaps even North Koreans. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Life with GDPR. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Jonathan Armstrong for the award-winning Life with GDPR. Jonathan, first of all, welcome back. Thanks very much, Tom. Jonathan, you had an interesting court case about some ransomware gangs sanctioned by both the UK and US. What happened in this matter? Yes, actually, it's a pronouncement from the US and the UK authorities. And I think it's interesting for a couple of in a couple of respects. So, first of all, sanction, sanctioning ransomware gangs is not especially new. The US has done it before, but this is a move that's a joint move from the UK and the US to sanction seven Russia-based individuals who have been linked to Conti ransomware. And it's certainly the first time that the UK has used sanction powers like this. There seems to be an appetite for more in the UK, and perhaps it's one of the few, in my view, benefits of Brexit that the UK possibly has more opportunity to react quickly to events like this. Now, obviously, ransomware has been a cause for concern for many people for a long time. The threat does seem to be rising, according to figures from Black Fog, for example. January 2023 was the busiest January on record. And there are still significant attacks happening. Last month, for example, the Royal Mail in the UK had its printers hijacked by the Lockbit gang. The printers were then forced to print ransomware demands, and then the system shut down. That meant that particularly parcels from the UK to overseas uh, were frozen for some time. Uh, deliveries were frozen. There's been a knock-on effect on many small businesses who've been uh, unable to deliver goods to consumers and Royal Mail services were still affected over a month later. And usually, in this case, Lockbit 
published their communications with Royal Mail, which included using GDPR as part of the ransom demand, if you like, saying, we only want X from you. Your GDPR fine is going to be Y. It's good business sense to pay us because X is less than Y. So just because GDPR is on the agenda of ransomware gangs, it obviously means that organizations have to take that much more seriously because ransomware gangs are trying to push GDPR figures. And these sanctions are part of a, as I say, a joint investigation by the US and the UK into victims of ransomware that included the UK's National Crime Agency, the NCA, looking at 149 British victims of Conti and Ryuk ransomware. And the sanctions, as I've said, were a joint action by OFAC in the US and the Foreign and Commonwealth Development Office in the UK. The NCA thinks that about £27 million was extracted from these victims, and they included hospitals and schools and local authorities. And in addition to the sanctions of the seven, the U.S. has also commenced court proceedings in New Jersey against one of the individuals, Vitaly Kovalev, who seems to have been involved in a history of bank frauds. Now, you'll remember that we've talked about this before, that sometimes ransomware gangs are sanctioned by hostile governments. Sometimes hostile governments simply turn a blind eye, but sometimes they're a money-raising organisation for a hostile government to buy weapons. There seems to be a link, for example, with North Korea and its weapons programme. And we're not sure effectively here whether, you know, which category these bad actors fall into, but the UK government maintains that these individuals were likely tasked by Russian intelligence services who may have assisted them in identifying targets. And it's not just critical infrastructure providers that vulnerable, that some of our clients look to have been caught as collateral damage after the Ukraine invasion, for example, where the hallmarks of the attack looked as if Russian threat actors were behind those attacks. Now, as we said before, attribution's always difficult, but it's becoming more of an issue because Lloyd's changes its rules next year, next month, sorry, to not provide cover for nation state attacks. So this is likely to become even more of a hot topic than it is now. And as I've said, attribution is difficult because these gangs are a bit meba-like, if you like. They change shape and change constitution, particularly when sanctions are involved, to disassociate maybe from these seven, but then form associations with other players. So what sort of practical steps should you be taking in GDPR terms to make sure that you can reduce your risk? Well, I'd say there are possibly nine that you might want to think about. First of all, have a plan to deal with ransomware. 
it is inevitable that somebody will target you. Maybe create a playbook so that you can work through key considerations in advance. And remember that most GDPR, most ransomware attacks will be reportable under GDPR in 72 hours, even if data isn't exfiltrated. Secondly, training and awareness. We've all had issues with sort of quiet quitting and silent resignations or whatever you want to call it, but people are definitely less engaged with some forms of training and awareness than they used to be. So you'll need to make it lively. You'll need to train on today's threats rather than yesterday's. Thirdly, make sure that your cybersecurity stance recognizes the heightened risks. One of the most effective measures that you can take is patch. There are maybe 20, maybe 30 known software vulnerabilities that are responsible for the majority of ransomware attacks. If you can sort out that two dozen vulnerabilities, then you're less likely to be vulnerable to an attack. Four, look at the technical and organizational measures you take. This is likely to include multi-factor authentication, MFA, it's likely to include some sort of software that's looking at the perimeter, but also looking at people's behavior. So we're looking at what's called heuristic patterns to look at how people behave to detect and give you early warning of an attack. Fifthly, rehearse. Breaches are inevitable. A proper rehearsal, proper scenarios, get game ready. It will be very important when an attack does happen. Number six, Look in detail at your contracts with vendors and other third parties. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And oftentimes it is suppliers, HR providers, payroll providers, outsourced sales solutions that are a real area of vulnerability. Seventhly, remember that you're unlikely to be able to ensure this risk away, particularly if it's a nation state involved. Number eight, you might want to consider cybersecurity accreditation, but if you're going to go down that route and recommendations are made, make sure that you work on those recommendations and correct them. We've talked before in these podcasts, Tom, about the Tucker's ransomware attacks, and we know that regulators don't like a half-finished job. So if you are going to look at your vulnerabilities and get an outside help to look at accreditation, commit to fixing anything that they find. And additionally, I think you're going to have to look at due diligence, not only with ransomware-related payments, but payments generally. What we've seen with Russian sanctions particularly is oftentimes individuals have many different names. Kovalev, for example, because of the way in which the Cyrillic alphabet changes into our alphabet and because of the use of different naming conventions in Russia might translate in different ways in different situations. And we know, for example, that Kovalev uses aliases, including Bentley, Bergen, Alex Connor. So it's always difficult to know who you're dealing with as well. So you've got to check all payments, not just payments that are ransomware related. And obviously, the advice we always discuss on these podcasts is it's going to be an exceptionally rare case when it's a good idea to pay a ransom. In most cases, paying a ransom gets you in a worse position than when you started. And obviously, we've got a lot of material that we discussed on these podcasts before explaining exactly why that's the case. 
Jonathan, are you starting to see or even hear rumblings of enforcement actions or even investigations into companies that pay ransomware and it's unclear who the actors they're paying are or even worse, they're being traced to now at least governments that are antithetical to the United States or the United Kingdom? I think that's almost certainly likely to be the case. What tends to happen is a lot of ransomware gangs, and Conti being one, will go public about those organizations that they've attacked, or many of them, and they will, they'll do that to try and extract the ransomware payment. You know, we've seen that with Royal Mail, for example. We haven't seen exfiltrated data as such. We haven't seen data that are taken off the network. That might be because they don't have that data. But what we have seen is a trail of correspondence with them trying to extract the ransom from Royal Mail. And obviously, if you know where to look, you can see those conversations once the gangs post them. It's not incredible to think that uh, that good guys are looking at that as well. So you could have a scenario, for example, where there's a ransomware demand on a gang's blog, and then the authorities are matching that ransomware demand with reports that they've received. Obviously, because it's reportable under GDPR, and because many organizations would be wise to reach out to law enforcement anyway, it's relatively easy to correlate who's reported an incident versus who has been reported as having an incident by threat actors. And I'm almost certain that there's some activity going in, on in some government agencies to match those two lists together. So if you haven't made a report to the authorities, you needn't pres- presume that they don't know about it. And I think we might get to a state where some in the law enforcement community assume that if you haven't made a report to the regulator as you're obliged to, that's probably because you've made a payment to the bad guys. And that, I think, puts you in a very challenging position as a result. Jonathan, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but we're going to link to the quartering compliance news section and client alert on this topic. Look forward to continuing our conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Thank you. This is Tom Fox. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. In 2023, if you've ever considered starting your own podcast or would like some advice on the production or posting of your podcast, I hope you will consider utilizing the Compliance Podcast Network, the only podcast network dedicated to compliance. If you'd like more information on the Compliance Podcast Network, you can contact me via email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of Life with GDPR has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.